be like when, when finally they say enough is enough. We're getting out of here. Elbit, Israel's largest weapons company, is leaving. So today was raucous. Today we were on fire. Everybody was going for it. It was Elbit out of Oldham. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. And welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows Friedman with my co-host Asa Win Stanley. And uh, we are delighted to be joined by two members of Palestine Action in the UK, Max Geller and A.D. Mormesh. Um, A.D., you're actually uh, outside right now. You just came back from a demonstration celebrating a significant victory for Palestine Action and for the Palestine Solidarity Movement as a whole. Tell us where you are and um, and what this victory celebration was all about. Well, yeah, I'm actually still in Oldham, uh, remarkably. There's quite a lot of people have gone home by now, but uh, we stayed around. Uh, there was a lot of the community came out today. Everybody, you know, was just absolutely over the moon. I had a young woman that was up to me today and she said she just started crying straight away. She'd been a lot to the demonstrations, but I think for a lot of the people there, I don't think they know how it feels to actually gain a, a big victory because this is, um, you know, this is a hard fought campaign. It, it was the last year, especially where uh, the last two years, probably where things really, you know, upped and we upped the ante and there was a lot more activity, a lot more action, a lot more mobilization as a result from the community as well. Um, and it was nonstop. And of course, with um, the brilliant direct action from Palestine Action, that the actions that really woke a lot of people up and really raised the game for everybody and everything that we were doing about this weapons factory here in Oldham, which is in the northwest of England, and one of the only one in the north, actually. And uh, it's um, it was just a, a massive blot on the landscape for a huge part of the community, but no one really saw or imagined the exact feeling of what it would be like when, when finally they say enough is enough. We're getting out of here. Albert, Israel's largest weapons company, is leaving. So today was raucous. Today we were on fire. Everybody was going for it. It was Albert out of Oldham, and um, and just just the, the the incredible feeling for people that you can achieve massive things against huge, big businesses with huge resources, very very you know operating on such a high level of, of um, actually brutality. And uh, how to confront that as a local community with some help from the left of the Northwest. It was uh, stunning today, absolutely wonderful. There's some great, great scenes on video as well. against apartheid when nobody knew that victory was just around the corner. And what have we just done now? We have mobilised. We have got everybody out every week for weeks. And we haven't stopped. And yes, we had direct action. Yes, they smashed those weapons up. Those weapons are killing people on the other side of the world and they are being sold to other awful regimes. We have to stop all of these weapons being built. We have to stop the profits that are going towards these corrupt companies that are basing their industry on murder and death. And we won't stop until that ends. And we won't stop until Palestine is free! Yeah!
tell us, you know, for, for our listeners who may not be aware, um, Max, take us uh, to what happened in Oldham, um, why it's significant, and, and what activists did to uh, achieve this kind of victory, um, you know, against Elbit Systems, one of Israel's largest uh, weapons manufacturers. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a great article uh, on EI up by ASA actually about this, um, which I encourage everyone to check out uh, for background. But yesterday, um, after, uh, as Adi said, years of campaigning, years of vigorous direct action campaigns, um, yesterday Elbit sold its interests in Oldham. They sold off its factory and have permanently quit Oldham, um, shuttering its factory, selling off its assets at a big loss, by the way. Um, you know, was, uh, they bought this factory uh, for six million pounds more than they sold it. So, right. Wow. Uh, I hadn't yeah. known that. I should have included that wow. in my article. That's, that's really significant. Um, yeah. So we're just over the moon at having... Um, you know, a, a real great result to prove to ourselves and the world that our tactics are working. We have, um, there's nine more facilities on in the UK that Elbit owns and operates that we are now still uh, campaigning against and we're not gonna stop until we get rid of all of them. And yesterday was just the, uh, the, 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 the first sort of concrete instance of, of it working. Um, Elbit has decided that the price tag is just too high. Uh, the cost of business knowing that every few weeks activists are going to prevent workers from carrying out work and that literally every week the community will come out and sh shut down the roads around the factory demanding that this factory close. Eventually, Elbit just said, you know, they, they threw up their hands and they sold it. They sold the factory. They said, we can't do this anymore. And uh, to me, it's the most exciting BDS victory uh, that's uh, taken place uh, for years. And, and um, I'm very excited and I'm excited about what's going to come next. Well, um, Adi, give us a sense of, uh, you mentioned a little bit people, you know, celebrating this victory and, and how significant it it was and it is for them. Um, can you give us a sense of the kind of uh, spirit that that activists there in Oldham um, are are galvanizing uh, in terms of like, okay, one down, nine to go. Um, talk about the the movement right now and 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 where this is going. Well, it's it's just clear that uh, this is what it takes. This is the formula for winning. Uh, you have to make the price too high, as Max said, because they're not going to wander out easily. We've had, you know, we've been doing this campaign for five years and we had the stalls. We were doing the demonstrations out the front. We were obviously spreading awareness around the community and, and the city and Oldham itself. And a lot of us are coming in from Manchester at the beginning. But now after a while of that, more and more people started getting involved in Oldham. You know, there was a little bit of movement on a political level. There was a lot of work done on that level, but to, not much was happening. So there was time for upping the ante. And 
We've got a history of direct action in Manchester, the suffragettes and many other, you know, militant trade union movements and workers movements and anti-arms movements historically. They are the sharp edge of how to get things done. And obviously it worked especially well at Oldham because we had a lot of other work going on and groups that complemented each other and respected each other. We had about 10 different groups there that we've worked together with really well from all over the Northwest. Today, even, they all turned up for the celebration, but ultimately over a long period, there was people coming from Liverpool, from Sheffield, from Halifax, um, all over the, 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 the different parts of the North that have contributed massively to these actions. And we've always had a host of people supporting those taking the direct action outside for support at the police stations, court support. Um, and of course, crowds outside blocking the road every week, 31 weeks since May, um, people from the community. And of course, what are we doing there? We're also educating while we're there. We're talking about Elbit. We're talking about Israel's arms. We're talking about the situation in Palestine. I was in Gaza for two years. So my students were killed by these weapons. Um, as well, and, and this was a direct connect for me and, and many others have been to Palestine who were there and were transmitting exactly what these weapons are doing because my line is always the same. I was in Al-Shifa hospital during the bombing in 2012 as the, the, the bodies were being brought in, as the injured were being brought in. I was in the intensive care units as little two-year-old Hanin was being rolled around grey and lifeless while her parents outside still had hope and we knew she'd gone with the brain hemorrhage. This was real, this is the connect. And so my feeling was you, you, take, you treat these weapons companies like you're running out of Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza, like you're right in the middle of it all because if we are really all Palestinian, you need to take the appropriate action to show it. And if you can't take that action, there's a million different support jobs to do and there's a million different actions to do to support the community. So where are we at now? We have got a green light to replicate because that's a lot of what we were doing. We were up and replicating the Raytheon victory in Ireland in 2006. And we brought him, um, Colin Bryce, one of those activists and the others who, who smashed all that factory, which galvanized the local population who got mobilized and won and forced Raytheon out of Derry. It's not difficult. It just, it does take a lot of work and it takes a bit of guts. And it also takes a lot of sustainability to keep things going, but it shows that it can be done. And if it can be done and Palestinians, when they on the marches, I was in there on the demonstrations in Gaza, when they're walking towards the borders, they get shot and killed. One of them did right next to me when we had similar kinds of demonstrations in 2010, uh, like the Great Return March, uh, the Gaza Freedom March. And, um, and so this is the reality when they demonstrate. So the cost for us is less. It's not easy. And I'm not saying it's a walk in the park, but it is less and the effect can be huge. And just look at the results here at the Albert Franti factory to prove it. And look at the scenes on the streets today and the young people, especially that have come out a lot, who now believe that they are not just observers, they are active agents who can do something about this horrible arms industry and Israel's complicit companies here in England. Yeah, what I found really uh, quite amusing yesterday, um, Yesterday, when I wrote my article, uh, it was definitely a day of schadenfreude, uh, and it was great to see this uh, factory, Albert pulling out of this factory. Um, I just found it quite funny, the press releases they put out, because, of course, you know, um, it's my job to read these things. And um, the kind of corporate speak, the desperate spin they were putting on it as well was quite <laughs> great. It was really obvious as well. It wasn't even that well hidden. I thought they'd be cleverer by now. Yeah, they said they said the cell was a quote reorganization which would help them quote focus activities on certain areas, <laughs> um, and that um, they were quote consolidating 
their market position. So, you know, great. <laughs> Long may they refocus their activities. And after that, I wasn't surprised that their share her share price started plummeting after that. You know, right what I mean? again, like this was something that I hadn't thought to check actually. I only saw it on the Palestine Action Twitter afterwards. I mean, mm. fantastic. This mm. is I mean, this is the only thing these companies understand is to hit them in the bottom line. And it is. And that's what Palestine Action has done. Um, we've taken over 70 actions in the last uh, 12 months against Elbit in the UK. 70 actions in which Palestine actionists have taken arrest. Um, and we've cost Elbit uh, tens of millions of pounds in doing this, uh, costing them days at work, cost, the, the cost of not doing business. Um, one connection that I think is really, really important to make is that this announcement comes one month after the, uh, the acquittal of three Palestine actionists um, for uh, shutting down a factory uh, elsewhere in the UK. Um, it's clear that uh, if the UK is not going to prosecute Palestine action, Elbit is going to be left with very little options uh, besides uh, quitting the country. I think what Adi said about, um, about uh, Raytheon in, Northern Ireland, in the north of Ireland is really important. Um, it's really important to understand that there is precedent for these tactics working. Uh, activists took on Raytheon in Derry and they didn't stop until um, there was a, a court case. And when that court case went the activist way, Raytheon said, well, this isn't worth it. And so they left and delivering us the blueprint for the victory, the, the first step in the victory that we're experiencing today. And we're not gonna stop until we've uh, replicated that success. And I really think it's a testament to um, a more militant version of BDS that we're seeing in the UK that I think is, uh, we could do it, we could see elsewhere with a similar success. Uh, and, and I think it's really important to examine Palestinian, uh, uh, Palestine actions uh, tactics here because, um, you know, we're an organization that really sort of acknowledges and embraces the, the cost that doing BDS work like this comes with. Uh, a lot of people will tell you that there is no cost or that if you just make your, you tailor your campaign just so uh, you won't experience any backlash. But, you know, for us, uh, it's well worth it. It's well worth spending a night in jail to uh, enjoy the uh, celebrations on the street when you actually uh, shut down a factory and win. You know, we we talked with Huda and Richard before in in one of our previous podcasts about um, the you know the the tactics here and what direct action really means when we talk about it. And you know, in the U.S. and and Max, I know you're you're very familiar with this. A lot of the campaigns are uh, are kind of like it's like a wide umbrella there's a lot of petitions there's a lot of um, appealing to the moral character of elected representatives um, and you know and that some sometimes sometimes we get you know a, a nominal uh, victory now and then but what is the difference between um, you know that kind of of campaigning, and the kind of campaigning where, where you know, 
members of Palestine Action are, are literally putting their bodies on the line and on top of the roofs of these weapons factories. Um, why do you think it's so uh, uh, important and, and, and really makes a difference here? Um, well, direct action has always made a huge difference because you are actually changing what's happening directly. I mean, it's an obvious point, but um, you're going so indirectly. And at times, you know, it's like almost controlled resistance. They, they allow in, a, in Western democracies, they want to give you the pretense that you have democratic avenues towards making change. And of course, we've been sitting here watching Israel increase its weapon sales by hundreds of million of pounds the more they killed in Gaza. They killed 2,200 people, 500 children, 51 days, and then their weapon sales goes up, 200 million up in, in from the UK it was after 2014 bombings. Um, so if they're de developing their weapons on Palestinians, their stock goes up. It is about upping the ante because we were under the pretense that actually our meetings with the politicians and then politicians were having an impact and they weren't close and it needed that boost and actually... Prior to Palestine Action, there was like a precursor in Manchester, which is Manchester Palestine Action, which is still going and I'm still involved with. And we were doing direct action then and I was doing quite a lot of it, in part because I knew that it was vital for winning campaigns in the past. And I'd seen Raytheon, I knew all about Raytheon, but I'd known about activists tearing up the cricket pitches in England to stop the South African uh, apartheid um, regime from playing here while they didn't allow black players. Obviously, you know, in Manchester, we have the suffragettes and there's a long history of smashing things up so far as they were about making actual an imprint on the business as usual. And you talk about people were today, there was a South African who's often coming and we talked about Desmond Tutu and about, you know, that you can't be neutral in times of oppression and there's no business as usual. And this is the whole point. There can't be any business as usual. And uh, the the level of atrocity, Britain, this tiny island here is still one of the largest exporters of weapons in the world. I mean, you think of the horrific weapons happening that are, that are being used on so many populations around the world. And I saw it up close in Gaza when I was there during the bombing. And you know that the level of action has to be higher than what's happening now, because we it's too easy to just normalize the ritual of going around in a circle on a demonstration or doing an, a, a talk and pretending that's changing something. Uh, you know, most of the time with Palestine, for me, if you've read a, a couple of books and had a couple of talks, it's not that difficult. You're almost there and then it's about changing things. And that's the only way, having read about history, uh, change has happened is when people stepped up and put themselves in the way a lot of the times. And it's not, it's no, you know, it's no secret that in, for example, the civil rights movement in America, a lot of those big moments were people breaking through what was a boundary, either a legal boundary or a boundary of what was done at that time um, and having the courage to do so. And it has a massive impact. Needless to say, on the media point of view, you know, we, we only ever got media at all when there was a big direct action. Why? Because actually there is a spark to that. There's a spark that says uh, this human being is doing something out of the ordinary for a particular cause. There must be something there. And that's real. That's a, there's a logic there. It is, and and of course, added to that, as Max said, there is a a value of uh, that is taken away from that company. There is an that company is a less effective arms company when those actions are taking place. And so, for everyone, we don't know. We can't. A lot of this is intangible, which what's makes it so difficult, which what makes today so incredible for us, because this is very tangible. But at the rest of the time, we know that that's having an impact on that company. We know their stock 
you know, is they're worried about their stock market value. And so ultimately, we know we're going to get there in the end. But actually, you know, it's, it's clear from history that direct action has always had an effect. And it's clear that this has had a major imprint, Palestine action. Everybody was saying it, all the locals, the local groups, whether it's United for Palestine, Old and Peace and Justice, Manchester, uh, all the Manchester groups, Manchester PSC even, and all the others were saying Palestine actions uh, effect on this particular campaign has been the most important because it upped the ante like nothing before and it got a lot of locals doing a lot more who were inspired by it and actually as well as that what was most important is we maintained the narrative about Palestine and we brought it back to the Palestinians and of course me I, I was in Gaza for two years I, my message box is full from my friends and my ex-students in Gaza many of whom had lost so many people and they are over the moon so if you're having a direct impact like that it is worth it believe me it's worth it yeah i think what was really great to see this past spring summer um during the latest israeli war against the civilian population in palestine as a whole really but especially in the gaza strip was um you know the the kind of um spark of light in was the palestine action actions in the UK against Elbit factories and how it people were coming out, as you've been describing from the local community, spontaneously, you know, or semi-spontaneously, you know, the groundwork had been laid for so long. Mm. Um, and people were just coming out and you're having these real boosts of people coming and supporting you, not necessarily like scaling the rooftop, but like supporting people who were doing so. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just this big upsurge in support. It was really great to see. And, and it's, um, it's clearly having a big difference. I think it's important to emphasize as well that like, you know, while um, I suppose the there's all different roles within what you've been doing. So maybe necessarily um, the sabotage of like smashing windows and scaling the factories that you've been doing, um, it might not necessarily be for everyone, but I think it's important to say there's these different roles and also that um, you, you're not just like going in mindlessly smashing things up, that there is an actual legal strategy in place here, you know, which is supported by lawyers. And as Max said earlier, um, you know, you've done so many of these actions over the last 18 months since the launch of Palestine Action. And, you know, as you mentioned as well, even before that, there was other precursor uh, direct action groups and so forth. Um, you've done so many of these actions, even, you know, going so far as to smash windows and to deface Elbit's property. Um, but not a single person has been successfully prosecuted for any of this, for any, you know, so-called criminal damage and so forth. And now, as Max mentioned, in December, we have this legal um, precedent, you could say, of um, three Palestine action activists were who defaced uh, one of Elbit's factories in um, Shenstone, I believe it was, near Birmingham, right? Um, they were all acquitted, found not guilty of criminal damage by a jury. And the reason being is because of the legal argument that was made by our lawyers, which you've been making all along, which is that, yes, you know, we're not trying to pretend we didn't do anything we did. Yes, we damaged these factories. But it's not criminal damage because we are acting proportionately to prevent war crimes in Palestine. 
by the Israeli occupation authorities. And actually, it's quite a similar legal strategy to what was just done in Bristol with the Colston Four, who, you know, through um, this statue of a slave owner, mass murderer, Robert Colston, into the Bristol docks, you know, they made us in some ways similar arguments saying that the presence of this statue was actually a hate crime against the um, against mm. the multicultural population of Bristol. And so therefore, although yes, we damaged the statue, it was proportionate action to prevent a greater crime. So, mm. you know, we're seeing a really good, really some really good precedents being set here. And it, it just, can work. This is the main uh, message, I think, to me. Totally. I just, the thing I'm most proud of is um, just how the, the extent to which Palestine action continues to show up. These aren't one-offs, right? Uh, these aren't single uh, things that just happen one time. We show up at these factories and then we come back and we promise everybody that we will continue to come back until these factories are gone. Uh, Sit-ins at lunch counters in the US would never have made a difference if they were just one-offs. Those people came and kept coming back every day, getting arrested week in and week out until uh, the dilemma that they caused those business owners was too great. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, uh, unlike some of the uh, non-BDS supporting direct action that we've seen in the US, where, which are just one-offs. I mean, it's great to protest outside APAC, but these are like, if, if not now is going to be a serious direct action group, they have to show up and keep showing up. And one thing that like uh, Palestine Action is very proud of is that we are proud supporters of the BDS movement. And we understand our work as part of this BDS uh, movement against the Israeli arms trade. But we are not uh, doing flash mobs and signing petitions. We are putting ourselves uh, directly uh, against the sort of pointy end of state power here. We've had um, activists uh, had their houses uh, searched. We've had activists arrested, like myself. We've had, um, you know, like like passports seized. But these are. Uh, this isn't just using our privilege. This is like building a uh, actual coalition um, to put ourselves uh, in between the state and Palestine, which is a uh, very tense and, and intense place to be, but it's uh, effective. And I think, um, you know, I, I appreciate and I, I understand very well the differences between UK law and U.S. law. I mean, I think a lot of our American friends listening to this would just be like, well, if we got on the rooftops of an American factory, uh, they would just fire hose us directly into a paddy wagon, and that would be that. Um, and I think that's true. And I think it's important to understand that there, there are differences in the countries uh, we all live in and the context we're all in. But I also think it's really important to sort of understand where the pro-Palestine NGOs are at with this kind of um, tactic. Why don't the bigger NGOs in the States have a bail fund for BDS activists who are willing to take arrest? Why is that not more worthwhile than um, say, spending a lot of money lobbying Congress for 
uh, victories that are um, only as deep as Jamal Bowman's character, you know, which is for politicians to admit that perhaps <laughs> Palestinians may possibly be human. And that's I, the I just think we're that looking these for. Are, these are important questions that uh, people doing this work need to be ha uh, asking themselves and conversations yeah. we as a movement need to be having, which is priorities, because we could be prioritizing direct arrestable action uh, in the states with bail funds and other uh, tactics. We're just not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, I think it's worth uh, exploring because in the UK, uh, it is working and we are seeing incredible successes, uh, more impressive than any of the ones I've ever been a part of in the States because we're caught, like, like this is uh, the sort of, you know, as we all know, is uh, weapons are the primary export of the Israeli economy. This is hitting Israel uh, and it's, uh, you know, and Western empire in general where it really hurts. Um, and it's important to understand what the, the, you know who our enemies are and what where their power comes from and tar, uh, plan our targets accordingly. Yeah. So what just, what's just the, on the court case very briefly? I just wanted to add it was actually it was a magistrate's court that the three because I was there and the the, the three activists uh, got off and um, and it was actually a judge. Now you're so right. Sorry. Better. Yes, I stand no, corrected. Yeah. No, not, not at a all. jury. It's, it's an interesting point because that's even bigger. To convince a judge, it's easier to convince a jury because in the uh, the Colson yeah. statute that was a jury, right? Um, and you are bringing in real human things that many people on the ground know about. Um, and um, the same here, it was actually the judge that responded to the narratives, the excellent narratives of the defendants about the connections as to where these weapons were going, as to what does justify uh, an appropriate reaction to the making of those weapons when those weapons are clearly being a developed tested on a population in gaza that's mostly children and b being um sold abroad or used by israel itself to decimate uh that population further so um you you know you this this is this argument is there to be made they have excellent lawyers and this is also in part because it's the lawyers um the the legal case which is so crucial here because we've seen again and again like you say about Albert, I mean, before we, you know, this, these actions really raised the game in the last year, our regular actions, uh, direct action on Albert, um, we, we would get off all the time. Um, you know, the one that I was on the roof of this Albert arms factory in Oldham about two and two or two years ago. And um, when not only did we, we come down, we were on the roof for three days, we shut it for two days and then obviously we're arrested. And we're there in the cell and then we go, we get let out and it says no further action. I mean, normally we get a court case and we start building up <laughs> towards it, then they drop it. And actually it's the Crown Prosecution Service that usually gets tired of not getting what they want from Elbit because we come with a big shopping list wanting to know exactly what Elbit is making, what they're doing and the weapons licenses, who they're selling to. That's, that's what we need. That's our defense because it is about stopping a greater crime and it is about what it is that they're doing. And so, you know, not only did I get let out with no further action, but the Monday I went into the police station and took all my climbing equipment back. That's, <laughs> that's the extent to which Amazing. Albert was willing to be hands off. So obviously they've got yeah. something to hide. I think yes, there's, never absolutely. Been, there's never been such um, a, 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 a just, you know, a, this, this, this onslaught 
um, to expose what arms factory is doing has, has never happened before. And so they've been really quite, you know, happy and complacent and undercover. Uh, a bit like the Conservative Party doing all these, you know, Christmas jollies during uh, COVID. You know, they're that untouchable or they, they think they're that untouchable that they've probably been getting away with all kinds of things, even on top of just their trade they're in, which is a toxic industry. So this is why they've been running scared. And of course, I think Palestine Action has done an incredible job at seeing that seeing that weakness about specifically arms companies, especially Israel's worst arms company, when Israel itself is finally being exposed for the apartheid state that anyone has been there can see it clearly is. So um, I think there's a lot of different tactical aspects of this, which are very clever from Palestine action to understand the current geopolitics of what Israel is in the world, to understand the current movement on the ground, because there is a lot of people that have joined this movement that, believe me, had no place in the usual organizations uh, that were that were doing things on Palestine. They are mostly new people that have come forward that were not doing anything on Palestine and didn't have an in. Why? Because they wanted this direct action route. They wanted to do something that was going to be for them much more impactful on an immediate level. Um, and that, of course, a lot of those are young people. And uh, we, we all know that a lot of our organizations are not incorporating enough young people. And of course, that was where the energy was in May for the masses around the world. And you can see that they're champing at the bit. Uh, and, and again, like you say, of course, it doesn't have to be the most sharp end of direct action. But it does. But, it, but even our demonstrations outside the front of Elbit in Oldham, we were, we were closing the road down every time. So we were taking that extra step and pushing a bit harder. And of course, that complemented superbly the very courageous activists that got on the roof and got inside the factories. And that is the one that, that, that caused so much trouble, because when I was on the roof a couple of years ago, we were on the roof and we were happy that we'd shut it down. But in fact, probably the bosses were sitting around the, the table going, well, at least, you know, nothing's been damaged. So, of course, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes and then think, to yourself, well, what do they not want us to do? <laughs> Whenever I'm not sure what I should be doing about you know, trying to work hard to stop complicit companies in the UK or doing stuff to support Palestinians. I ask myself, what does Israel not want us to do? <laughs> what does Israeli arms companies not want us to do? Yeah. We want to make it as hard for them as possible because what they're doing is obscene. And anyone that's been in those hospitals has seen it up close. Anyone that's been in Gaza during the bombing or even just during the aftermath yeah. has seen it up close. And they will be champing at the bit to say, right, OK, it's time to, to act now. I'm not having them go through that again. And so really it is about upping it. It's about sticking your chest out and going for it because it's the very, very least that Palestinians deserve. It's beautifully said. So, okay, so, I mean, today is a day of victory um, and hope. And, you know, hopefully these kind of victories can keep coming throughout the year. Um, but what is, what is the backlash? Like, what's the potential backlash? Um, what I mean by that is, for example, yeah, and you're absolutely right to point out that this was, um, contrary to what I said earlier, it, it wasn't a jury, it was a, a magistrate, so it was just a, a judge say making this, so it's, it's even better in a way. Um, but the Conservative government, in response to the Colston 4 case that I mentioned earlier, um, are now making rumblings about potentially changing the law in some ways to save our statues of all these uh, remaining racists that we have up in the um up in this country being honored um so you know and and of course we've seen the conservative government for years now has been saying they're gonna ban bds which 
personally I think is impossible. Um, and you know, it, they keep saying they're going to do it and then they don't really do it. Nonetheless, you know, you as Palestine Action have had a lot of oppression against you, like you've been threatened with all sorts of things, including even vague threats about, um, you know, using increasing uh, so called anti terrorism law measures against you. Um, so, you know, what what are the potential um, backlash could you face now and what um, what concerns do you have sort of going forward, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to recognize that from the, you know, the US context, uh, the uh, Midwest 13, the Resmia Ode ca case, uh, etc. Palestine activists are always sort of um, facing that state repression. Um, they don't need to change the law in order to target Palestine and Palestine activists, um, whether they're in the US or the UK. Um, and yeah. so, I mean, the, like the, the Holy Land Five is another great example, right? Like they will use anti-terrorism laws against Palestine whenever they can. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I mean, we've had um, anti-terrorism police in the UK uh, seized uh, the passports of Palestine actionists. Um, the uh, this these forms of state repression are nothing new, and, and nothing we're not sort of prepared for. Um, it's part of our uh, strategy to create these dilemmas for uh, you know the, the British government. Are you really you know in the the last uh, year we've had hundreds of people arrested doing Palestine action uh, actions. Some people have been arrested multiple times. Um, are they really going to uh, try and put us all in jail for 10 years? Uh, that's, um, we don't believe that there's a, the political will in this country to do that. And so that's not a uh, fear tactic that we're really going to respond to. We've had an unbelievable outpouring in the last week since the uh, magistrate cleared those three brave actionists, um, people who said, oh, well, if they can get off, we wanna join up. And I think um, we're you know, planning our next waves of factory occupations. We're planning our next waves of lock-ons. The, uh, the uh, acquittals and the threats really just serve to galvanize us. Um, we're not going anywhere, uh, I think is the real sort of important message here. The, um, the threats are really nothing new either. Um, the movement isn't going anywhere. If people want to learn more about the work that Palestine Action does um, and, uh, and possibly join the movement, uh, where can they go? We have a great website, recently hacked, but back online, <laughs> palestineaction.org. Um, there's a uh, uh, secure donation uh, link there too. Um, you can help us pay for ladders and climbing equipment. Um, the, uh, we've lost over 70 ladders to the British government uh, since Palestine Action has started. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, just like the... Uh, hacking of our website, the throwing us off of fundraising platforms. These are all things that 
the movement is actually strong enough to withstand if mm -hmm. we are um, clear about what's happening and um, you know as uh, uh, if we draw upon as much support as we actually have which is global and grassroots uh, on that um, obviously a big a big important thing is is really if you especially if you're not able to participate then yeah donate you know this is just an arms factory this is one of the biggest sort of actions that was successful in the uk this campaign to shut down literally uh, an entire arms company from a from a city it's the only one the only arms factory from albert in the north of england there were four altogether so this is a prolonged campaign that we've won but obviously it takes resources and there's a whole lot of money swishing around for palestine but actually you know a lot of the people from gaza were telling me this is a political problem. This is not an environmental disaster where just we're going to keep spending stacks of cash on putting plasters on on the sores of, of what will continue if there's no political solution. So where does politics start for this kind of uh, situation? It's just like with the anti-apartheid movement where they need international support and we need to break the chains, especially with arms, because it's the weapons companies that are the most complicit, that are the worst, especially the Israeli weapons company Albert Systems. So donate, donate and help Palestine action. Um, and I wanted to add on terms of what the government can do, the government is always gonna have powers to do things against uh, normal people. People look at the civil rights movement in America, look at the Black Panthers, look at people were destroyed. People were imprisoned and tortured and killed in prison trying to escape like George Jackson, so many others. So there's a, there's a history of people who have probably even in Western countries, going to have had to have faced much worse than what people who are taking on these arms factories are going to face. Um, yes, there could be a cost, but ultimately there has always been a cost for actions that shut down enormously important and powerful arms companies. There, it's very rare that uh, such, a, such an enormous organization and all the resources behind it gets shut down. And the only way it's going to happen is, is if people take a bit of a risk here and there. And that's all that we're asking, really is that people just go a bit further. And again, if, if not to do that, try and support in lots of other ways, because believe me, the majority of people around the Oldham campaign were locals from the community that could just do anything they could. And they were just as important as anybody else for this campaign. And they chipped in enormously. And even today, the feeling and the warmth from everybody, the locals there, and just everybody patting each other on the back. And we're just giving rounds of applause to about 50 different people. <laughs> um, it was just epic. Um, um, but uh, but again, it, it was the sharp edge of the direct action that really got things moving and and made it happen. And and we're all just going to carry on celebrating this evening. And uh, but most importantly, uh, like I said, we gave a minute silence for all the victims of these Israeli weapons today. We thought about so many of those that we had described on the demonstrations and keep maintaining that connect, keep maintaining the Palestinians at the centre of this because they are the ones that are really having to take. The, the, the sharp end of, of what is happening. And uh, we will not stop until finally that they get to live the same normal lives that we might hope for. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, all that you do. And uh, of course, all the incredible campaigning that Palestine Action does. Um, we are excited to have you back on the podcast uh, to celebrate the next victory. <laughs> Max yeah, Geller so and Aidy Mormesh, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.